Hello, and welcome to the Infinite Creators Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am your host, Chloe, and I want you to know that my intention behind this podcast is and always will be to expand your heart and your mind and help you discover new ideas, thoughts, and ways of being. I hope that with each episode, you leave this space feeling inspired, filled with love, and ready to take action in creating a life that is worth living. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope that you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to episode 16 of my podcast. Today, I'm really excited because I'm going to be having a friend on that is going to be sharing about a topic that I'm actually not super knowledgeable around. Wait, that I that I don't have a lot of knowledge around. So I'm excited to learn from him and to have him share with you guys a little bit more about a topic I've never shared on my podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking all about hemp and the sustainability of the product and all of its uses and kind of its history. And I'm really excited to have McKinsey share about it. Um, we got connected over Instagram, I think, randomly, and have had some good conversations since then. So I thought he'd be a good guest to have on here. So I hope you enjoy the conversation and I'll let um, McKinsey introduce himself a little bit before. Hey, Chloe, thanks for having me. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is McKinsey, I'm from Colorado live out here and work in the uh, hemp industry, mostly uh, a little bit of the cannabis, they, they kind of go hand in hand. And I'm super passionate about the plant. I think this plant has so much potential and can um, bring so much to the world and excited to talk about it here with Chloe today. Yeah, I'm super excited to get into the uses of hemp and all the different sustainability aspects, because I really only know about CBD oil. That's like the only real product I know that comes from the plant. <laughs> other than the smoking qualities, but um, yeah, super excited to go into it. And before we do that, I'd love for you to share with me what your favorite practices as of lately or what you've been really excited doing throughout the day or every day. Hmm. It's a good question. I'd say lately it's been yoga for me. Um, I love hot yoga. I've been going pretty much daily. Um, I, lo I love the sweat, just the detox and, you know, coming out of there completely drenched and it just does so much for my mental and, and physical health and um, just something I really enjoy doing. And, and soon that'll transition to skiing. I'm a big skier. I love skiing out here in Colorado. So right now it's yoga and, and eventually I'll, I'll start skiing and probably hopefully do a little, a balance of both, some yoga and skiing. Yeah, that'll be good for performance. I feel like <laughs> increase the flexibility on the slopes. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know. It'll, it'll be you... nice to go to hot yoga after a long day on the slopes. It'll be nice to to thaw out. <laughs> I don't know how you do hot yoga because I did it for the first time with my cousin a few weeks back in California, and I she didn't tell me that it was hot yoga because she knew that I would say no. And then we arrived and it was hot yoga, and oh my gosh, that was the hardest workout of my life for sure. So yeah, God it's, you. it's intense. <laughs> I, th I think I'm addicted, honestly. Like I, I love the heat. I've tried some other yoga classes and for me, it's like, it's frustrating to go to yoga and not get that kind of sweat. You know, like mm -hmm. I almost like have to be drenched. Like I love that feeling after class, just being like drenched in my sweat and 
knowing that I just like flushed out all kinds of toxins and, and just feel great. So I'm kind of addicted to it. And I'm like the opposite of you. I don't like regular yoga. I like have to have hot. Yeah. I would be keen to get back into it because it's like a double whammy. You get a, a sauna steam flushing all the toxins out of your body plus a pretty hectic workout. So I'm exactly. trying to get involved in that. That's epic. Thanks for sharing. Um, yeah. Okay. So where should we start? I would love to hear before we started this or started recording this conversation, you mentioned a little bit about some of the history of hemp. And I think that would be really fascinating for my listeners. Um, so yeah, tell me about like where, where it all started with the actual plant and how we used to use it. Um, I don't know. What was that? 50, 60 years ago or more hundred years ago. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, America has a pretty rich history of hemp. Um, you know, the founding fathers mention it. In fact, I think there's actually a quote from Thomas Jefferson that he says, hemp is of the first necessity to the wealth and protection of the country. So, I mean, that tells you kind of their yeah. mindset back then that it was something that not only they were using or they valued, but they thought it was like absolutely a necessity, something that they had to have. And yeah, I know there's accounts and stories of George Washington growing hemp and um, I think early drafts of the um, Declaration of Independence was written on hemp paper. And so hemp was, really, hemp was really prominent. I mean, it was just like common, like it wasn't this thing it is today that, you know, is kind of buzzing and everybody's talking about it. it was just sort of like cotton to them or just like a regular plant that they found many uses for. Um, you know, they use the fiber for rope. And I think some of the ships that actually came to America had like hemp sails as well. Like they, they were made from hemp. So, you know, tons and tons of, of uses there. And then um, somewhere along the way, it, it got kind of lumped into marijuana or I like to refer to marijuana as cannabis. It got lumped into cannabis and, and that whole reefer madness kind of thing happened. And, you know, that's, that's probably a podcast on its own of, of why cannabis got banned, it became illegal, but um, it got lumped into that, which, you know, makes you kind of scratch your head that when we talk about like industrial hemp, if you've ever seen it grown, it almost grows like bamboo. Like there's no psychoactive properties. It's used for grain, like hemp seeds and hemp oil that you can go buy at the grocery store. And then also the, the fiber is used for everything from, from clothing and, you know, hemp, hempcrete, you can make houses out of hemp and, um, hemp plastics as well, like petroleum products. And, and it's such a sustainable, like biodegradable product. You know, we can basically replace all the plastic we're using today with hemp plastic and it would be completely compostable and biodegradable and a much better option of where, um, where we're at now with all the petroleum and, and plastic products. Yeah, wow, that is so crazy. I didn't know any of that about the sales back in the day being hemp or paper being used as hemp. Like that was in like, the Declaration of Independence was 1770-something, right? Way <laughs> back, yep. Um, yeah, so that's that's incredible. It makes you wonder what, like, where that shift was and where that change was and why something that was so predominant in like so many different uses has all of a sudden been like eradicated from everyday use. And I'm curious, what was like, are you aware of what, what the growing is it really sustainable to grow? Like it grows really fast and it's really easy in, in multiple climates or why was it such a popular plant to use back then? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's incredibly sustainable. So like, I wish I knew the statistics or was a little bit more prepared, but it basically, 
you can get like two seasons, two to three seasons, depending on where you are in the US, but it grows like, I don't know, like five times as quick as trees and we can use it for paper and it grows so much. It's it, it actually planting hemp pulls carbon out of the atmosphere, which is like a huge thing. I mean, I think, um, you know, a hectare acre will pull like a ton of, of carbon or something out of the atmosphere, which is, you know, huge nowadays. We need that. And it also helps the soil as well. It will rebuild the soil. It can uh, pull heavy metals and, um, you know, impurities from the soil and basically rebuild and repair the soil. And it's interesting when I got out here to Colorado, our, our farm or farm partner was a huge organic farmer. He's got probably like 500 to a thousand acres of organic produce. And when he was approached about growing hemp, you know, he was familiar with what it did to the soil. He didn't really care. We were, we were all excited about CBD and the profits of like, Oh, let's grow hemp. And you know, here, here's, here's the potential and here's what we can do. And he, all he cared about was what it was going to do for his soil. He was that excited. He was like, this is great. He's like, it's going to be perfect. It'll, you know, help rebuild the soil and, um, you know, take care of the earth. And it's, it's awesome just how sustainable it is. Like we could continue to plant this every year, harvest it, use it for these products, you know, plant again. Whereas these trees, <clears throat> those trees are, you know, you can't plant and have those trees grow where they need to be before cut down for like the logging industry and paper and, and all that stuff. So yeah, it's an incredibly sustainable and grows really quick. And it's actually really easy to grow. It can, it can be grown in pretty much any climate, like deserts can grow hemp. So it's really easy and sustainable. Wow. Wow. That's so cool about the soil as well. That's something I've been learning a ton about because I've become like a permaculture freak. Like whenever I'm bored, I just sit on YouTube and search permaculture videos and how to um, create really nutrient dense soil and all of that good stuff. So I didn't know that hemp could be planted in that way. Would the farmers just plant hemp like along the soil beds or how, how does it work? Like, um, So it's a lot like corn. Like if you were to drive by a hemp field, it would look similar to corn. They, they'll plant them. Well, I guess we should also clarify too. There are different varieties of hemp. And, you know, when I think the, the farm bill got passed, um, that was intended more for industrial hemp. And, it, and when I say industrial, I mean more for like the hemp that is used for fiber that we can make clothes and, and rope and, um, you know, hempcrete and, and those kind of products with that. And then there's also a grain variety, which is the hemp seeds and the hemp oil I mentioned. Um, but then there's high CBD hemp and high CBD hemp, for those that don't know, that's basically where all the CBD buzz and boom, that comes from high CBD hemp. And one of the reasons I moved out here to Colorado is when the farm bill got passed, the law or the legal definition of hemp is it had to be under 0.3% THC. And I think some really clever and smart people out here in Colorado saw that and they said, huh, if that's by definition what hemp is, then what they did is they took cannabis varieties and essentially bred them to be compliant with that definition. So they essentially bred the CBD as high as they could and bred out the THC, making it compliant and under 0.3. And so that's how like high CBD hemp kind of came to be. So it's funny, like I don't, I don't even think you know, when the government and they were passing all this legislation, they were even thinking this was going to happen. They were thinking, okay, we're going to like industrial hemp is legal because there was a lot of universities. I'm from North Carolina and NC State University was doing some studies and um, some really good work and stuff on actual industrial hemp, like the fiber and the green varieties. And that was kind of the direction we were heading. And then, you know, this whole CBD boom just like exploded and has really kind of carried hemp to the forefront, which is nice. It's great. But 
you know, the, where, where I'm at now and the way I see it is, is CBD is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, this plant has so much potential for us, like long-term and, you know, I'm just really excited about the things that we are discovering and, and realizing that this plant can do and, and not, not discovering, but rediscovering. Like they were already doing this back then. It's like, we're just, re we're like, oh, like we can use it for this and it can be used for that. You know, so we're, it, it's fun to be a part of that and to, to be in this industry. It's exciting times too, to, to be a part of this and, and see all this kind of unfold. Yeah. And to even hear about the versatility of one plant and how one plant can provide so many economic and sustainable solutions is such an exciting thing. Like it makes me, it's similar to mushrooms, which also is a whole nother um, podcast topic, but same with mushrooms, like the fact that there's mushrooms to eat plastic and oil spills and all the different things. And then there's products like hemp that are equally as incredible and so versatile in their usage. Absolutely. Yeah. There's actually a cool quote about hemp that it's the only plant that can house you, clothe you and feed you, which is pretty cool. Like you can basically, you can build a house out of hempcrete from hemp. You wow. can wear hemp clothing, you know, bedding. I've got some like sheets and like bedding stuff that's made from hemp and it's so durable and just amazing quality. And um, you can eat it. The hemp seeds and the hemp oil are rich in omega-3 and omega-6 and like basically, you know, fuel us nutritionally. So that's pretty incredible. There's not, I mean, there might be somebody could can call us out on this or do, or do some research, but to my knowledge, there's not another plant that can do all three of those things. So it's pretty powerful. Yeah, that's incredible. That makes me really excited for the future. Where do you think we stand now in terms of the popularity of these products or like having them surface back into everyday use like is there a boom of it right now or it's still on the brink of discovery Are yeah i think it's, start, it's starting to boom um for sure it's it's unfortunate because when you know we had a lot of the the infrastructure here in america and then when it got banned which you know i didn't really finish the history i could I kind of go back to some of the history so the marijuana tax act was introduced in 1937 and that's when hemp was lumped into that and they basically kind of banned it and discouraged people from growing it and um, started to crack down. And, you know, when you really look into it, like I said earlier, like industrial hemp, why would you ban industrial hemp? You can't get high off of it. There's no, there's no reason at all. But, you know, this was right after alcohol prohibition. And basically they had all these resources and this task force and all these people that didn't have anything to do because alcohol became legal. And so they kind of shifted their focus on cannabis and hemp just got lumped into that. And so that's wow. when the, the, the marijuana tax act, came out in 1937. Um, and then what's interesting is shortly after that, you know, World War II started and um, there was a shortage of hemp because we were importing it and we were importing it from, I think, India and it was going through Japan, but during the war, like we weren't able to import it and there was a shortage. So the government, there's actually a video, your follower, you guys should check this out. It's called Hemp for Victory. You can just Google it. And it was released by the government and the USDA. And it was in 1942 was when they released the video. But it is basically a video encouraging people, like not almost like begging people to grow hemp, saying like, please grow hemp, we need hemp. And so there was this whole campaign to grow hemp and they did. So people started growing hemp. Then the war ended and we were able to import again and they banned it again. So it was like, it was prominent, used all the time banned kind of like this gray area like you shouldn't grow it then the government begs people to grow it again because we need it there's a shortage of it and then after the war they just ban it again 
and it wasn't until you know then it get then it got lumped in like when nixon like in 1970 with nixon's like war on drugs and everything that's when it was like listed mm-hmm. as like a controlled substance and like officially banned and you know it wasn't until i think late 80s and 90s um people started kind of approaching the government like why is industrial like what is the deal here like this is industrial hemp like ropes and fiber and shirts and clothing like soap products you know you name it and um that's when universities began to kind of study it and look into its uses and you know slowly got us to where we are now wow i'm so fascinated by why the u.s government has such a vendetta against products i need to know more (laughs) it's really crazy honestly but i mean when you look at a lot of stuff like that there's there's a lot of politics and money involved in, in my personal opinion we won't go too deep down this rabbit hole but I think it threatens the cotton industry, the logging industry for paper, and also the petroleum industry for fuel and plastics. And if you look into those industries and the families that kind of run those industries and have been in those industries for a long time, they have a lot of uh, political influence and a lot of power and a lot of wealth. And it's in their best interest to keep hemp especially industrial hemp illegal. That's the only reason that I can think of that makes sense. You know, right. it was a threat to these industries and these families were, were not going to have it. And, um, right. Cause it basically shut it down. Yeah. It would jeopardize their entire business and actually provide a real competitor that can give a solution that's significantly better than the one that they're currently providing. Absolutely. I mean, you could argue that hemp could replace all three of those industries. Like it could totally replace the logging industry, the cotton industry, um, and the petroleum industry as well, which the petroleum industry is probably the biggest and would be the hardest to, to take over. But yeah, yeah, just follow the money trail. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> With money will things, give you answers. Follow the money trail. Oh, wow, that's crazy. I want to hear more about um, hemp, be- hemp being used as a plastic replacement. Do you, what information do you know about that? I'm super curious. Okay, cool. So basically, yeah, so hemp, um, very similar to plastic in the way it can be produced, um, like petroleum products. So like biomass hemp, which is, I guess I'll clarify what biomass is for for those that don't know, it's the whole harvest. So after the harvest, usually the the farmers will go in there and they'll knock down the plants, they'll chop everything up and um, sometimes mill it or combine it. And you'll have a whole super sack or like a big bag of what they call biomass. So it's pretty much the whole plant that's been chopped up. Um, Mm -hmm. that biomass can actually be made into um, biodiesel and fuel like that this could be like the fuel of the future it really could Um, and and then that can be turned into petroleum products and like all kinds of plastic literally you know any plastic product you're looking at right now or you have in your life could be made with hemp plastic and there's there's companies coming out it's just like I said earlier the infrastructure's not there like the knowledge is there we knew that this could be done but when it's been illegal and banned for so long like we couldn't even study it so a lot of like the manufacturing and the infrastructure to make these hemp products has disappeared but it is coming back i mean there's a lot of cool um you know you could just google hemp products a lot of cool companies and things that are starting to develop hemp hemp based plot uh, i know there's um hemp straws there's companies that have hemp straws which is really cool and, and replacing just the plastic straws um yeah. Yeah, and just a lot of other products. So that to me is probably the biggest and most exciting thing. But kind of like I mentioned earlier, I think, you know, the government's going to want to 
get a kind of step in and, and regulate that and say, this is how it has to be made and kind of dictate who gets to make it and that kind of thing, just because there is, it's such mm -hmm. a huge industry and so much potential there, so. Yeah, being such an advocate for the zero waste movement and not using plastic to the best that I can over the last six years, probably it is so frustrating when we hear about products like hemp that could totally eradicate plastic pollution in the future and moving forward. And it and you don't see any of these companies like Coca-Cola or Aquafina or any Arrowhead, any any of these um, huge major companies that are using plastic, like not racing towards this finish line of converting their company into a more sustainable product that they're bottling all of their beverages in, you know, like, it's like, why aren't you changing? Like it's 2021, please. But again, it like goes, it all goes back to money. <laughs> yep. You're exactly right about that. All the money. I think, I think we'll get there though. I do think that it's such a no brainer and like such an obvious thing that like it would be a crime not to make that transition, not to make that switch. Mm -hmm. So I, I do think we'll get there. It's been slow. Like just even the hemp industry, once the farm bill got passed, you know, even CBD's kind of been crawling along. Um, you know, for example, the FDA still hasn't laid out guidelines for CBD. Like it's still, it's legal, right. In all 50 States, but it's still this gray area for a lot of people. Um, you know, we know companies like Hershey's and Coke, like really big players that want to get into the CBD space, but they're waiting for the FDA to like give some sort of clearance or guidelines because, you know, they can't risk it and just launch yeah. a product and, and then have the FDA say, oh, like it's not allowed to go and drink like soft drinks or, or food and beverages, you know, whatever, whatever the FDA decides, nobody really knows, but, you know, that just goes to show you they've been dragging their feet for, you know, the farm bill was what, 2014, they've been dragging their feet and still haven't laid down like some, some true guidelines and regulations. And, you know, the industry's kind of begging for that. If you look and kind of follow the CBD industry, like there's a lot of people that want regulation. You know, mm -hmm. I think too much government regulation is no, nobody wants that. It's kind of a bad thing, but people want some regulation just so we have guidelines and we know how to operate and make sure we're doing things safely in the right way. And, you know, it's yeah. not like the wild West and people are just like making products in their basement and that kind of thing. So I think some regulation is good, but we don't want to get too far where it's like, overly regulated and the government dictates like who gets to make the products and and that kind of thing and that's kind of what you know people are bracing for that that doesn't happen but there's been a lot of talk that they, they may come out and like really heavily regulate it and basically say okay you know these pharmaceutical grade companies they're the ones that get to make cbd oil because they have all the qualifications and certifications and it would kind of like flush out and push out all these smaller companies that have opened up over the years that are still making it following gmp guidelines and stuff but they wouldn't be able to to live up to the pharmaceutical um, guidelines. Wow. Yeah. And is there, what's the reason for the delay? Like how have they not come out with guidelines for these yet? Do you think that there's some sort of strategy behind that or what is the purpose behind waiting? <laughs> That's the million dollar question. Nobody knows, honestly, <laughs> where everyone's just sort of you know, ha has their arms up. Like what, what is taking so long? I think personally, this is just my opinion that again, it, it goes to, you know, political companies are, are teaming up and they're going to position themselves and get in a position to when it does become legal that their company can thrive. So I think it, there's something to say there that, you know, potentially pharmaceutical companies are, are gearing up and going to enter the space and, and I think the FDA could be potentially working with them or waiting for them and <clears throat> could, could be an effort there that, 
you know, they're, they're kind of collaborating, but that's kind of speculation and just my personal belief. So. Yeah. Yeah. But there always has to be some sort of financial interest for the government to be involved. So yeah, we'll see about that. This is true. <laughs> um, what other products with hemp really excite you or like what's something really cool that's going on in the hemp world? Um, I'm, I'm obsessed, not obsessed, but I love hempcrete. I was going to ask you about this. I want to hear more about this. Yeah. So hemp, hempcrete is incredible. Um, it's basically the biomass, right? So it's just like the, that you mainly comes from like the fibrous stalk. So if you ever saw like industrial hemp growing, it would be tall and skinny and, and really, really stocky. And they can, and they can actually have really firm and uh, thick stalks, but that stalk and that fiber, which is also used for clothing and rope is, is ground up, um, I guess combined or milled would be a good way to describe it and mm -hmm. basically just mixed with lime and it makes, it makes concrete. It's like, it's as durable, if not more durable than concrete, it's mold resistant, it's rot free, it's fire resistant. Um, it actually will absorb moisture. So like, you know, in, in places like Hawaii, I know they have issues with mold, like Kim Creek could solve that issue. And um, it's sustainable. Like you can grow, you know, like tiny homes are really popular nowadays. Like I think, two acres of hemp can produce a 1500 square foot house, just two acres. And wow. you know, I think the average home in America is like 2,500 acre or 2,500 square feet. Um, you would just need only about four, maybe five acres of hemp to be able to build the house out of that. So I just think that's so cool. I mean, and honestly, that's kind of a personal goal of mine is I'm, I would love to buy land one day and grow hemp on the land and then build you know, my house and houses from the hemp that I grew on that land. So just the fact that we can do that is so cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I keep trying to refrain from saying, wow, every time you speak, because I sound like Owen Wilson. Um, <laughs> that is so cool. I did not know that I, I had heard briefly of hempcrete maybe in like a documentary or something, but that is incredible. Did you say it's mixed with lime? Yeah, so it's basically just hemp herd, and then lime is the binder. So it's hemp herd, and lime used as the binder. And lime is like, um, I wish I knew more about it. I guess more of like a powder mm -hmm. that is. It's just like mixed in there, and it it really does look a lot like uh, concrete. And it's really cool being out here in Colorado. There's several companies that have you know popped up and are doing like hempcrete summits and you know, building hempcrete homes. And I really do think it's a thing of the future. I mean, I think it would be cool to see developers buy a huge plot of land, grow hemp on that land, and then build, you know, hempcrete houses from the hemp that they grow in that land. That'd be a really cool, really sustainable and cool concept. Yeah, that is incredible. I will not be building another home until it's made from hempcrete now. <laughs> <laughs> nice, especially, that's my, my thoughts exactly. Especially with the... Um, molds component that you mentioned that is so huge like being able to um not have that moisture in the walls i think i listened to a podcast one of luke stories podcasts a few months back but don't quote me on this but i think it was 80 percent of people in america have exposure to mold in their home and they don't know and their health is like slowly deteriorating from the mold exposure and they don't have any idea because there's such um, improper building methods and especially in humid climates like Hawaii and I've been personally negatively affected by mold in Bali and yeah I just can't imagine having homes 
filled with hempcrete where no mold issues would exist in somewhere like a tropical island or you know wherever that may be that's the future that's what we're working towards and it's not just so hempcrete is just one component you can actually use hemp to make the insulation um you can do like drywall that would kind of go like on the other side of the hempcrete and then also kind of like wood paneling like for hardwoods you can have there's there's companies right now that make hemp based hardwood floors um so really like almost the whole house could be made from hemp which is really cool is there anything that hemp can do? <laughs> let's talk about that <laughs> not that i know of we can do so it all I had no idea. I need to start investing in these companies. I need you to send me a list. <laughs> I want to support them. That's incredible. Absolutely. And that's kind of where I'm at with my journey too. Like I'm kind of in between jobs. I'm still very involved in, in the CBD space. It's just still really popular out here. And, and, and I guess you could say it's booming, but I'm trying, I want to transition more to the fiber, more to like hempcrete and clothing. You know, I, I love these new brands that are popping up that offer sustainable clothing. And I think we're going to see more and more of it. But like I said, the infrastructure just has to catch up. Like for example, Patagonia does a really good job. They've got a whole hemp line and they do a pretty good job of incorporating hemp into a lot of their products. Uh, but they were recently outsourcing all that. Their hemp came from China. It was turned into fiber, made into clothes and then brought back over here. But I think as of two, two, maybe three years ago, they actually sourced their hemp from Colorado now. So the hemp has grown here in the US, but it does just because unfortunately the infrastructure manufacturing hasn't caught up. It does get shipped. The actual raw hemp gets shipped to China and then processed into fiber and then brought back here in the form of clothes and stuff. But we are making steps. So it's cool that, you know, Patagonia and these companies are taking small steps to to source and, and work with local farmers to, to source the hemp here and you know, eventually, hopefully in a couple of years, we'll have processing facilities that can actually process and, and turn it into clothing and stuff here where we don't have to rely on China or go overseas to, to go for that, to get that. Right. And even just um, big companies like Patagonia using hemp to be incorporated in their clothing or their products, whatever they're creating is incredible because it's kind of paving a path to awareness to like their consumer, because that's a huge part of why maybe hemp isn't booming in the way that we think it should because of all of its incredible uses it's just simply a lack of awareness like so i mean me being one of them so many people don't even know that these products exist where if you know it was on every headline and everyone was talking about it like hemp is the way of the future like hemp is the answer same thing for mushrooms you know mushrooms are capable of curing cancer and eating plastic you know like if everyone was talking about it all these wealthy people and investors that have the money to support the infrastructure would be able to come in and be like, all right, let's make some moves and like make this happen and really monetize this plant and make it the incredible thing that it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we are getting there. There's, you know, Prana is another brand that incorporates hemp. I'm not sure if you've heard of uh, Young, I think it's pronounced Young Maven, but it's with a J, Young Maven. Uh, they're based out of California. They're a really cool hemp brand, hemp clothing brand. Hemp Hemp Black is another one. And then I think um, Levi's. Actually, there was like a headline recently that Levi's is going to start experimenting or making jeans from hemp as well. So, wow, um, like like a hemp denim. Yeah. So it's it's happening. It's just it's slowly, but yeah. Like I've I've been out here like wait like thinking it was going to happen next year, and so like it's it is a slower process, but it, I'd, I'd love to see it be a little bit quicker, but I do think we'll get there. 
eventually we we will get to a point where it won't be like such a cool thing like i think it's so cool if i find a shirt or something made from hemp i'm like oh this is made from hemp and it's like a big deal to me but i think we'll get to a point where like it's not a big deal at all it'll be like cotton it'll be like oh here's a hemp shirt or something like you won't even think about it and it's so diverse as a thread like you can it can be rough like rope and you can actually process it down to like almost is is like soft and fine as silk like i have some hemp shirts that are just like oh. silky smooth it's just so incredible I'm trying to get involved. I have one shirt made from hemp actually, and it is one of my favorite shirts. It's so cozy. Like it feels like this mysterious material. That's just the best. I want sheep and everything made in hemp. I need to start keeping my eye out for just hemp only products. I'm going to support the industry in every way that I can. <laughs> that's awesome. We need it. The industry needs your support. So, and all, all the listeners out there, if you guys can find hemp and find ways to slowly incorporate it like i'm slowly switching out my wardrobe um you know the whole clothing aspect it's we're, we've been focusing on the sustainable part of it of being able to grow hemp and how sustainable it is to be used in clothing but you know from like a spiritual or energetic aspect as well um you know i read recently that a lot of the shirts these synthetic shirts that we wear they're like polyester and nylon and stuff like we're energetic beings you know we're allowing our aura or energy to, to, to leave our body. And we're also like receiving energy, but these synthetic shirts and clothing actually blocks that mm. and doesn't allow us to like fully vibrate like we should as human beings. And so natural fibers, like organic cotton, hemp, bamboo, like these fibers do allow that. They actually allow for kind of the energy to flow freely. Um, you know, and then there's a the whole component too of the, the synthetic, like the polyester stuff is, you know, your, our, our skin absorbs so much, you know, it's all these pores and wearing that synthetic clothing, just like, I don't know, like, I don't know if there's enough science on there, but I just personally believe that wearing that all day long compared to like wearing a natural fiber, like hemp or cotton um, is going to be much more harmful long-term kind of absorbing some of those uh, petroleum based clothing compared to the natural stuff. So that, there's that component too. Like, I love the sustainability of it, but I also... You know, I just feel more vibrant, more alive when I'm wearing these these natural fibers like organic bamboo and cotton and, and hemp. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective that I've never heard before, but I really agree with it. And it makes perfect sense, to be honest. Like when you speak, when you think about um, us from an energetic perspective and also just the natural, like the lack of natural resources used to produce our clothes. And then there's usually toxic dyes involved and just the whole unethical nature of fast fashion in general is really unappealing. So to think of companies not only using hemp, but are likely working within like ethical um, production standards is a really admirable, another admirable component to moving towards like more hemp-based clothing. Yep, absolutely. And for all the listeners out there, that brand I mentioned, it's spelled j-u-n-g young maven m-a-v-e-n but some of their clothing is pricey and hemp typically is more expensive just because of the infrastructure like we're not making it here as cheap like eventually it should be cheaper than cotton you know if we're, if we're growing enough of it in the infrastructure here but you know it is on the pricier end but they do a really good job and they have a, a campaign they want everyone in a hemp tea by like 20 i forget like 2030 or something is their goal to put everyone in a hemp tea so occasionally if you if you follow them or, or um 
yeah, or following them, you'll see they do what's called five for a hundred. And basically mm -hmm. for a hundred bucks, they will randomly, you just tell them your gender and your size and they'll send you five clothing articles for a hundred bucks. And like considering some of their shirts are like 80 or 90 bucks, it's a really good deal. Cause typically out of those five, you get like three or four really cool things. And it's just an affordable way for people to get hemp products and to start incorporating hemp into their wardrobe. Wow. That's so cool. I'll have to share the link for their website or their socials or something in the um, show description when I post that. Yeah. They just did the five for a hundred. So it'll probably be like a couple months until they do another one, but they usually do it like a couple times a year and try to clear out like last year's styles and stuff. Epic. Good to know. I'm going to be on the hunt now for hemp clothing everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> just live in hemp, just wrap yourself in hemp, have a hemp house, eat hemp, hemp all day. Pot, hemp sheets. I love hemp seeds, hemp, everything. <laughs> hemp <laughs> hardwood floors, hemp plastic. I won't even need the plastic, but hemp, everything. I wonder if they could make hemp diapers. That would be revolutionary in the scheme of zero waste. <laughs> mm. Could be a million dollar idea. You just stumbled hey, upon it. Don't steal my idea, everyone. This is a, <laughs> this is a hole in the market and I'm going to get after it. Mackenzie, we have some business talking. <laughs> we'll talk sure. after. Surely it's something that can be done. <laughs> Absorbs moisture. That's perfect. I'm just putting it all together. <laughs> Light bulbs are going off. Ding, ding, Light ding. Light bulbs are going off. I'm moving into the hemp industry, people. Okay, what, yeah. what's next on the, on the hemp list of amazing wow facts? Let's see, we've covered hempcrete, hemp plastics. I think I briefly mentioned that hemp could be used as a fuel. Mm. I think that's that's huge. I mean, just the fact that the biomass can be converted into like a biodiesel and essentially, you know, we could run cars from hemp. Actually, a cool fun fact here, Henry Ford in 1941 actually built a prototype car made from, I don't think it was just hemp, it was, um, hemp and I think soy plastic he was he used those crops to make like a plastic um so the car itself had like paneling that was made from hemp and it ran off of hemp fuel and I believe there's a video you can google this and like they're just taking a hammer to it like it was like 10 times more durable than steel they're just like hammering away at this car trying to dent it and like the hammer's just like bouncing off so the fact that you know in 1941 Henry Ford had this idea built the prototype and you know, again, kind of goes to the idea got squashed really quickly because it was going <laughs> to re replace the petroleum and it was too sustainable. It made too much sense. So the government stepped in yeah. and was like, eh, not going to do this. But just the fact that they've already done that. Yeah, that is so, so cool. I, I think you maybe told me that before. Maybe I heard it in a podcast or something, but yeah, that's amazing. And again, frustrating at the same time. <laughs> right. <laughs> 1941 that was nearly 80 years ago it was 80 years ago and we're still here yep. <laughs> here we are <laughs> we're really evolving as a species <laughs> i visualize for that future a car ran by hemp fuel <laughs> that's probably the biggest impact it could make honestly is just be like replacing a lot of the fuel and oil that we use now with with hemp and and plants and also too not having to depend on these other countries like we can grow hemp here hemp thrives here actually like 
especially on the East Coast, like North Carolina, Virginia, Tennessee, like those are just like perfect climates for hemp and hemp does so well. And, you know, mm. even out here in Colorado, like parts of Colorado are like more like a desert, but I mean, it thrives out here. Hemp, hemp just thrives everywhere and, you know, can do so much for, for us as a planet. Like I said, planet, plant all the hemp, the hemp will suck the, the carbon out of the atmosphere. It'll fix the soils. We can then use the hemp after it's harvested for all these products we've been talking about. Like it's, it, it's fun and exciting to talk about it, but at the same time, like for someone like me that's been in it, it's frustrating. It's like, why are we not further along? Why do we not, why isn't everyone not using hempcrete yet? You know? So I think it's, it's cool though. Like it, it's an education process. So I'm, I'm really glad you had me on and we're talking about it and you know, hopefully educating other people out there that had no idea that this was a possibility or that you know could be coming down the pipeline soon. Yeah, I'm just really trying to bring awareness to this product because obviously it serves so many uses and has such incredible potential to replace really toxic like current products in our world that are toxic or are damaging to everything, <laughs> everything that we want. Have you ever seen any good documentaries or anything on hemp or every, anything that you're talking about or what would be a good resource to look to? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, there are tons of documentaries out there. I guess kind of depending on the topic, you know, there's there's a couple good ones on hempcrete. If you were more interested in the hempcrete, um, trying to think of a, a comprehensive, you know, there's, there's a lot that kind of talk on the history of like what happened, why it got banned and you know, where we got to where we are now. But yeah, if any specific ones come to mind, for sure, share them and I can share them in the link um, or in the description box of this episode, because that would be a, a good resource for people to kind of dive more into it. And um, yeah, I would love to learn more about it myself because I'm fascinated by this information. For sure. Absolutely. Anything else that you feel excited about sharing? Well, I mean, we barely kind of touched on the the CBD aspect, even though I'm personally now more excited about all the, the other stuff we've been talking about, you know, CBD does have a lot of promise too. You know, there's a lot of med medicinal and therapeutic benefits to CBD. Um, you know, that industry alone, I think in 2020 was a $2.8 billion industry. And right now it's on track to be like a $3.5 billion industry in 2021. So, Holy shit. you know, th that's crazy that less than 10 years ago, this industry didn't exist. And now it's almost like a $4 billion, $4 billion industry. So it's, it's huge. It's booming. You know, there's a lot of positive and, and good momentum in the industry, but for someone like me, that's kind of been in it, there's also some things that kind of make you eh, like mm. aren't the best. And, and there's a lot of people out there just trying to make a quick buck. And, and so just, I would kind of warn listeners that if you are buying CBD products, you know, try to make sure it's like a reputable brand and, you know, they've got uh, certificate of analysis, it's like a COA, you know, mm -hmm. basically just be like lab results that will talk about um, or, or show you the potency and basically what's in the product. You know, if, if ever a company can't produce a COA or a certificate of analysis, and I probably wouldn't buy from them, like make sure that you are buying good, good products. Cause there's a lot of good companies out there. You know, Charlotte's web is probably one of the bigger ones. You know, they've got a really cool story, how they helped um, that girl Charlotte with, with her conditions and, you know, CBD played a major role in, in her health. Um, don't know about that. <laughs> sorry? I actually don't know about that. If you want to share, you're welcome to. So yeah, I think kind of what put CBD on the map for the industry was a documentary or maybe it wasn't a documentary, but it was like a piece that CNN did. And it was mm -hmm. on these brothers, the Stanley brothers that, you know, were producing cannabis oil 
uh, or, C or CBD hemp oil for this girl, Charlotte Figgy, um, to help treat and cure her epilepsy. And they saw great success with it, you know, seen and covered it. And that was sort of the boom. That was kind of what lit the match. Uh, shortly after that, you know, hemp got legalized and that story kind of put CBD on the map for everybody. Um, that, wow. that, that was actually how I got into it. I saw that documentary and was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. And, you know, someone who has consumed cannabis in the past, I was more um, at like a healthier part of my wellness journey. And, you know, when I saw CBD come out, I'm like, wow, so you can still get the benefits benefits of cannabis without the psychoactive effects. I was like, that's that's huge. Mm -hmm. You know, basically people that are in pain and, you know, need need some kind of relief can take these products and, you know, still go to work or not have to worry about getting high or something. And I just knew that right away, <clears throat> that was something that was going to be big. And that's kind of what inspired me to make this leap. leap. I left the, the health and wellness journey or the health and wellness industry and moved out here to Colorado to, to immerse myself in the CBD space just because I knew the potential and how awesome um, this, this plant could be and how it could help people. So that's kind of where it all started. Um, that's cool. That's a cool story. I think I, I saw a video of her that girl Charlotte and then the CBD being put in her mouth or something and then it calmed her down like within a few minutes is that the video that kind of went viral I'm sure yeah I'm just that that sounds familiar I'm sure there is a video of her of her doing that and I think if there's anyone out there like kind of googling her story I think she did actually recently passed away but you know the CBD did help and you know made life easier for her while while she was here and stuff so you know that that was a cool story and they actually started their company it's called charlotte's web and they were one of the probably the top five companies and got their start based off they named it after her which is really cool oh that's so sweet yeah, i've been using cbd heaps for my dog <laughs> because i've been traveling with her a lot and i don't think being in the cage under the plane is a fully enjoyable experience but i give her like cbd dog treats cbd oil and she's just calm as heck, like just so <laughs> cuddly and sweet and super chill. And it's honestly great. Even sometimes around the house when she's going a little loony, I just give her some CBD oil and 40 minutes, she's like knocked out on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Perfect. There you go. Yeah, no, CBD is amazing. I mean, it works for dogs, it works for humans and I guess I could, I could talk a little bit about how it works. Um, actually, yeah, this is really fascinating and I think something important to cover. So recently it was discovered that we humans have an endocannabinoid system in our body. And essentially it's, you know, some say it's as important as the nervous the central nervous system, but it's mm. receptors, CB1 and CB2 receptors that these cannabinoids can attach to. Um, so CBD is a cannabinoid, THC is a cannabinoid, CBN, CBC, CBG, there's tons. There's actually, I think we know of over 80 or over 100 different cannabinoids. Um, it's the plant is low. Hemp is the cannabis and hemp are the, the most concentrated plant of cannabinoids. Now, they're not the only source. There's actually um, trace cannabinoids and things like black pepper, um, actually breastfeeding women, their breast milk contains cannabinoids for the yeah. child. Um, so yeah, there's this huge system in our body that basically it's waiting to be engaged it needs cannabinoids and i'm under the impression kind of going back to where it got banned that the grain 
the hemp grain was eaten by the animals and mm -hmm. that people were eating the animals and, and in that way getting cannabinoids in their system. But mm -hmm. then when you eradicate and ban something totally, you know, essentially we're deficient. The whole population has become deficient and our endocannabinoid systems are, you know, not engaged. There's nothing really engaging them. So, you know, I, I just think it's cool that science has found this system. We know the endocannabinoid system is there and that's kind of the magic of how CBD works. You know, I think I, I talk to a lot of people that are like, what, like, how's it going to cure my headache and anxiety and hurt and fix my knee? You know, I'm just going to like put this drop <laughs> under my tongue and it's going to fix all three of those. But the cool, the cool way it does that is through the endocannabinoid system. So it basically engages that system and that's a whole bodily system where it just creates homeostasis in the body. It creates balance. So like if you're, if something's out of balance, giving you anxiety, or if there's inflammation in your knee, when you take that CBD, it ignites the system and the system basically works with the body to like lower the inflammation, to lower the anxiety. Mm. You know, it, it's not necessarily the CBD is going in there and like attacking the knee, you know, the CBD molecules like right there at your knee, it's ignite, it's, it's interacting with the endocannabinoid system and the endocannabinoid system is what's, you know, creating that balance and that homeostasis, but it'll allow you to, and that, that's, what's so great about it, that it can do all those things, you know, we've, yeah. I worked at a pretty well-known CBD company here in Colorado and we would get calls and testimonies all the time, you know, people getting off pharmaceuticals and, you know, had, had, had dealt with condition conditions for years and they've switched to CBD and they're seeing relief, you know, it's helping yeah. them sleep better. It's helping with headaches and taking away stress, anxiety, and you know, even physical pain, like back pain and inflammation. So it's just really incredible that, you know, this plant has this potential and is, is able to do all these things. Yeah. That is another bit of information that I did not know. So that's incredible. Can you share some of the, just like a few brief testimonials or one that was really shocking to you that you got when you worked with the CBD industry or one that really stands out to you? Sure. Yeah. Um, or a few. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's kind of hard to isolate just one. Um, yeah, share many. It's so interesting. I know there was a uh, one lady in particular that was on, I think, some blood pressure medication. And um, now before I say all this, I, we should, I don't want your podcast to get banned, but you should consult <laughs> your physician or whatever. We're not, we're not giving out medical <laughs> advice here. <laughs> but um, yeah, she was able to get off like her, I think her blood pressure medication and also um, depression medication as well. And she was using, <clears throat> incorporating CBD. She would take a dropper under her tongue of full spectrum CBD. And she would also take capsules at night and was able to get off her medication and just like called us to let us know that she's, you know, has like little to no anxiety is like living stress-free and, you know, blood pressure and just like bodily functions are like returning to normal by, mm. by doing this. And, you know, I, I would encourage people like this stuff doesn't happen overnight. You know, if we get way out of balance or something's just like way out of whack, it takes a little bit of time, especially like I mentioned, the endocannabinoid system hasn't really been engaged. So you almost have to like ignite that system, like fill it, flood it, like top it off, and then it can kind of start to perform. So, you know, I've talked to a lot of people that take CBD one night, you know, we had customers that call and like, I took the CBD last night and it didn't help me sleep. Like, well, you know, try it for 10 days or, you know, stick with it, be consistent. And that's, that's when people are seeing results is when they, and, and also too, I think there's like a mindset and like a energetic component to it. Like, understanding how the plant works and like knowing how it's going to work with your body is, is also going to help. But like just thinking it's a cure-all, like an aspirin, like I'm going to pop this and in 10 minutes, like I'm going to feel great. 
um, isn't necessarily right. the best way to go about it. Human beings and their constant need for instant gratification. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's like saying, I went vegan for a day and I didn't lose a pound. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> or I went vegan and I felt like shit for five days and then they stopped being vegan on like day six. They don't yep. even allow the body to detox or to adjust to the new lifestyle. So yeah, I'm sure CBD is the same way. Yeah, it's exactly like that. And it's different for everybody. There are people that take CBD and they do feel it, you know, like mm -hmm. depending on the oil you're getting, we won't dive too deep into that, but there's all different kinds of oils. You know, there's CBD isolate, which is just pure CBD. And there's like a full spectrum CBD, which I really am a huge fan and believe in the full spectrum because mm -hmm. it has a lot of those trace cannabinoids that I mentioned. It's not just CBD. It's got trace amounts of THC. It's got CBN, CBC. It's got the terpenes, uh, flavonoids. So uh, basically it encompasses the whole plant. And I just mm -hmm. believe that like, we can't beat nature, like stop trying to beat nature, replicate it, like just work with nature. And so like a full spectrum product is as close to nature as you can get. Um, and so I think, you know, taking full spectrum, you're going to see better results, but there are people that take a full spectrum product and that day have results or like, oh my gosh, like I was on edge or really stressed and it calmed me, it like brought me back to balance and calmed me down like right away. Or people that have, you know, like a sore shoulder, they, they put one of these CBD rubs, like a full spectrum CBD rub on there and like they, they will see relief instantly. So there are cases where you can see relief instantly and there's cases where you might need to incorporate into your routine for mm. a few days to see results. Do you think that you develop any sort of um, almost like a tolerance to it if you incorporate it into everything that you do every single day or do you think it still has its benefits regardless? That's a really good question. I mean, I would probably be the research on that. I, I At one point I was just taking it, I had so much access to it and was taking it all the, like taking it at work and throughout the day and coming home and just, if, if there was a, someone that could take too much or like a tolerance thing. Like I think I would have experienced that and I didn't. So like I, mm -hmm. I could take it all day long and, you know, I can cleanse and fast and take a break from all that stuff and come back to it. And it's, it's very, to me, it's different from cannabis. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's not something that, you know, you've got to up your dose and continue to take more and more and more and more of, I think just getting the right dosage or milligrams for you um, will work long-term as long as you're consistent with it. I don't, you know, I, and I could be wrong on this. I don't, I don't think there's a tolerance thing to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to know. Is there a favorite, what's your favorite CBD company? Are you allowed to disclose, disclose your favorite? <laughs> um, you know, like I mentioned, Charlotte's web is a really good, you know, well-known company. They make really quality products. Um, there's another brand. I think they're based out of California or San Diego called Indoka. Um, mm -hmm. And their founder is really cool. He's actually done a lot of great work for hemp and, you know, been a huge advocate. They, they do a lot of stuff in Europe as well, where, where hemp is a lot bigger and they haven't had the restrictions that we've had on hemp. Um, they make good products in Doka. And then, yeah, there's tons. I would just say, you know, do your research, look into the company, check, check for lab results at COAs and just make sure that, you know, everything, everything checks out. There's a lot of snake snake oil out there and and bad people that are trying to make a quick buck and they've got really good branding or good marketing but the product is, is not that great so just be diligent and and do your research and i think you'll find a good brand out there ask questions as always <laughs> yep is cbd legal in other countries as well like in australia and canada i don't even know the answer to this 
Yeah, it is. So every country kind of has their own guidelines. Um, but for the most part, you know, a big part of my last job was we sold seeds to people to be able to grow hemp and CBD to make, to make CBD products. And a big part of the business was international. So like, you know, Ecuador and South America, Mexico, a lot of these countries, they're not, they, they were either online or they're just now coming online. So like it's, it's kind of, the floodgates are kind of opening actually the CBD market here in, in the United States is very saturated. So a lot of companies are going across the border and, and reaching out to, to, to brands and, and people overseas to, to strike up new business. Cause it's newer to them. Like I think South America is a little bit newer, uh, Europe and everyone does have different regulations. So like, for example, CBD has to be under 0.3% THC in Europe. Mm. It has to be under 0.2. So it mm. is legal. It's very similar, but it's just a lower, lower percentage there. Yeah. Good to know. Where do, where do you think the future of CBD oil is going in terms of usage, like doctor recommendations or usage in more Western medicine? Like, do you think it has a place in that? For sure. Yeah. No, I think it will, we'll, we'll see the day where you walk into the pharmacy. It's like Advil. It'll be really cheap. It'll be affordable. And you can buy a little, a bottle of CBD capsules that you could take like Advil for inflammation and for headaches. Um, yeah, I think that's the goal. I think that's where people want to see it go and that's where the industry's heading. But again, we won't get to that spot until the FDA, you know, regu- like lays down some guidelines and regulations, but when they mm-hmm. do, that's kind of the end game. I think that we'll see it, you know, and it could, like it's already boomed, but it could be like in Gatorade, it could be in Cokes, Hershey's will come out with a CBD bar. So like it could even get bigger once those guidelines and regulations come out. And I think it, I think it will. I think it's such a common thing and, you know, there's, there's little to no risk and it has so much upside and so much potential that it's inevitable that we'll see it kind of everywhere. And it'll be very commonly used more common than it is now. Yeah. That would be amazing to see those sorts of things happening, like replacing medications like Advil and those more toxic substances that people are over abusing. Forgive me if this is a stupid question or if I'm wording this wrong, but how does it work with using a plant from nature like hemp um, and monetizing it because it like anything from nature can't be patented. So how does it work? Is that a dumb question? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's not a dumb question at all. That's a good question. Um, and that actually kind of relates more towards cannabis. That's a lot of people speculate. That's why cannabis has been banned and illegal for as long as it has, because these big pharma, these companies can't patent the plant. And so what probably the play is, is they're going to create like a synthetic version. There's already like synthetic cannabis and stuff. And they'll basically patent that they'll create their synthetic version and patent that. But um, yeah, hemp is very similar to cannabis that it can't be patented. So that could be part of the reason why it's not regulated yet. And the FDA is still dragging their feet. They're kind of figuring out their way around that and what they're going to do. But yeah. Yeah. How can we patent this and make money? Exactly. (laughs) And I, I honestly hate the idea of like synthetic cannabinoids, just kind of like I was talking about synthetic, you know, shirts and clothing. I, I want things to stay as, as natural as possible. And that's kind of the downfall of where the industry's gone now is, you know, I don't know if you've heard of Delta 8. Mm-hmm. Delta Eight's really popular. Um, essentially what that is, it's a loophole. You know, the farm bill states that the Delta 9 point, uh, the, excuse me, the Delta 9 THC has to be under 0.3 and the delta nine is just one 
cannabinoid, one form of THC. So again, people out here in Colorado got smart and saw a loophole and were like, okay, well, if the Delta nine has to be below 0.3, what if we just convert it to Delta eight? So they're basically doing a conversion and they're converting CBD and THC products into Delta eight, which the end product is essentially a synthetic cannabinoid. They've they synthetically created this Delta eight and it has psychoactive effects. It gets people high. And so there's a big boom. Um, and again, that's the people kind of staying ahead of the government. There's a big boom of that happening right now. Tons of Delta eight products are just like flooding the market. But again, I, I personally would, would be very cautious of Delta eight. I know it's exciting in a lot of States that don't have medical and recreational cannabis. It's the closest thing that they have to it. You know, there's like Delta eight flower and Delta eight gummies and products, but you know, there's, there's very few people that are making that the right way. There's a lot of people that are just, you know, converting it and using a synthetic version of it. And, you know, unfortunately I, we don't know, like I, I, there's no science. It's so new, but that could be causing some long, long-term effects for people. And we, we won't know that until, you know, it's too late. So I would just be cautious and it's always best to say natural, stay as close to the plane as you can get, keep it yeah. natural, full spectrum, you know, try not to veer off and into the, the derivatives and the synthetics and all that stuff. Wait, so Delta eight is, is now being made as a synthetic. There's a synthetic version of Delta eight as well. Well, Delta eight, so there is real Delta eight. So like the hemp that we grow here in Colorado has mm -hmm. Delta eight in it. That's a real cannabinoid, but it's in such trace levels that it just doesn't make sense financially to try to extract that and right. make products. So guys out here are incredibly smart. They're good lab technicians and they figured out how to convert either CBD. You can convert CBD or Delta nine THC. They, they convert the cannabinoid. They put it through a very non-natural process is, is a way that I'll put it using heat and, and, and agents and stuff, they, they push it or convert it to another cannabinoid. So they basically force it to be something it's not. And that's kind of why I have like an issue with it. I'm like, this just doesn't seem right. It's like, hmm. you know, why would you take synthetic vitamin C when you can eat an orange, you know, yeah. like eating the orange is going to, that's, that's basically how it is. It's like we Delta eight is the synthetic <laughs> vitamin C. <laughs> we can translate the orange example into many different part, components of our world. <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah okay good to know i've seen i saw well living in indonesia we don't learn about any of these things because they're all super super illegal there to the point where it's crazy that they don't know anything about cbd but um when i came home to visit california a few weeks ago a few months ago i saw the delta eight products like everywhere in every um dispensary that I went into it was like Delta 8 Delta 8 and I was like what is this I had no idea what it was but now I know yep it's the new exciting thing and it can be it doesn't have to be just in dispensaries that's the loophole is it's basically a synthetic version of marijuana or cannabis and it can be carried in gas stations Walgreens you know everywhere so like that's why it's exploded and for a lot of these states that don't have recreational recreational or medical it's exciting for them because it's the closest thing that they have to cannabis. So I get the excitement, I get the buzz, but I would just caution people to be careful and you know do the research before just like jumping on the, the bandwagon. Yeah, I have a question for you, if, if that's cool. Yeah, let's hear it. Why is it so strict there in Indonesia? Like why, what's the reason that they're so hard, hard on, or they crack down? 
I, you know, that's a million dollar question. I would love to know. It's really unfortunate because I've had to stray away from using CBD. I used it a lot, maybe, I guess three years ago before I moved to Indonesia, but then after I had already decided to move to Indonesia, I learned that all um, cannabis products or CBD, anything from the plant was fully illegal, like death penalty or jail or like $20,000 worth of fine. It's honestly nuts. Oh my um, unfortunately, their government is, um, for lack of a better word, like very barbaric in the terms of evolution of like products or... Um, you know, these like up and coming, I don't know what you would say, like health trends or things like that, you know, they're just like very far behind and very, um, all of Indonesia is, yeah, I don't know, just not up to speed. So unfortunately it's all super illegal. I've had a friend that didn't know that it was illegal and shipped like ordered some CBD to be shipped to her house and they went through her mail or whatever. And she got deported off of Bali. And I think she got like a $16,000 fine or something. Oh um, my gosh. So lucky she was not put in Indonesian prison. Um, I would be terrified, but yeah, it's <sighs> super illegal. And it's so annoying because, you know, CBD is so harmless and I would love to have it with me all the time living in Bali, but I can't have it because I'm too scared to jeopardize living in that country. I'm sure I could bring it in. I have friends that bring it in all the time, like just put a different label on it or something, but I'm, I'm too scared to jeopardize living in that country because I love it so much. <laughs> that is wild. I mean, I don't blame you if they're that strict on it. Like you're really taking a risk there. Yeah. You're, I can't you're believe that. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, and same thing for mushrooms, any, any plant medicine, anything, that's derived from plants and used in the form of, you know, CBD or having a psycho psychoactive experience is very frowned upon there. I, I have some Indonesian friends that I know have gone to jail and are still in jail because of um, cannabis. <laughs> wow. That is incredible. Yeah. Kind of sad too, if you think about it, but. Yeah, super sad. I'm hoping that things like this change soon you know because it's so sad that someone could be penalized for having a product like that that is so incredible for our health or for our environment or whatever you know right it's so backwards well it's interesting too like a place like bali you know i've never been i've of course heard lots of great things and seen stuff about it but i feel like bali attracts the, those kinds of people that believe in plant medicines that, and that want to consume so it's just really interesting to me that a place like that that has so many people like-minded people that probably believe and think the same way that they're so strict on it but i don't know if that's the yeah. tourists that are coming in that have that mindset and you know the locals have never really felt that way but yeah so i think um one of the reasons that maybe contributes to cbd being so illegal there is a lot to do has a lot to do with religion um all of indonesia is muslim except for bali which is hindu so yeah i don't know if that plays a role in it just wanting to you know constant control and regulation of all things so I don't I don't know if it'll change really you know it's hard when religion plays such a huge influence on a country yeah that is tough well hopefully through education you know I think here in the states and other countries we've seen like as they get educated and and see other countries lead by example that 
you know, they'll implement new policies and, and make changes. So maybe in the future sometime we can hope. Yeah, I think once maybe Australia <clears throat> plays more of a stronger lead in the CBD and hemp industry and psilocybin research and stuff like that, they'll start to follow suit because Indonesia is so close to Australia. They take a lot of influence from them in terms of like what they're doing in world leadership, <laughs> um, which is sometimes not so great. Uh, but yeah, so we'll see. But it's cool that we have so much access to it here in the States and in Canada and Australia and Europe. And yeah, it's amazing to see the progression. Is there anything else, last minute things that you want to share? Anything you want to say on behalf of the hemp plant before we close this conversation? <laughs> Just support where you can. Hopefully this conversation at the very least sparked some interest and maybe some questions in some people. And I would just encourage people to get out there, do some research and yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm a geek about this stuff, but if I find something hemp, I get so excited. So hopefully there'll be, so this will inspire some people to go out there and try to find hemp products or just try to incorporate more sustainable in general, like whenever you can in your life. So um, that would just be my, my final words and words of advice is, I think hemp is kind of the way forward for us. Hemp is the future, so. Hemp is, what was the saying in the war? Hemp is victory? Hemp, hemp for victory was the campaign hemp that they did. Victory. Hemp for victory. Yeah. And I feel like we're back there now. <laughs> back to victory. hemp for victory. And yeah, just even buying, you know, one product or one shirt or one thing made with hemp and then starts a conversation with someone that creates that domino effect. Like, I love that saying, when you inspire one, you inspire a thousand more. So yeah, I'll definitely be buying a, a large quantity of hemp products whenever I can, because <laughs> I feel super excited about that. And thank you for sharing everything that you shared. I, I really feel fascinated and excited now about hemp products that I didn't know about before, specifically building a house with hemp. That is amazing. And yeah, hopefully everyone listening can start to do their own research and dive into different things of hemp and share more about it so that we can raise awareness around the product and help it become more mainstream would be epic. So thank you for listening as always. And if you want to connect with McKinsey, he's not a huge social media guy, but you can <laughs> reach out to him via email if you feel really called to connect with him. And I'll put his email um, in the description below. Cool. And Thanks so much for having me. It was a blast uh, to talk to you and spread the word about hemp. Yes. And before you go, I have to ask you the final Infinite Creators podcast question, uh, which is fully loaded, but I would love to know your interpretation or definition of love. Definition of love. <laughs> Ooh, put me on the spot here. That's a great question. Um, yes, you asked a lot of great questions today. This is a good one. I would say love is can mean so many things. I think, you know, connection, happiness, um, you know, the opposite of a lot of negative emotions, fear, sadness. Mm -hmm. I kind of associate love with light, you mm -hmm. know, like the opposite of darkness. Um, yeah, I think love is powerful. It's, it's a lot like hemp. I think the world needs more hemp. The world needs more love and we can all do our part, you know, including ourselves. We can love ourselves which I think will in turn allow us to love others and, you know, spread that love. And the world's in a place right now where we, we need more love. So I think we can all, no matter where you are in your journey, um, 
use more love and give more love and spread more love. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Use love as a compass and hemp as the all-encompassing tool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually had a, a tagline at a company I worked at that, um, uh, what was it? Choose hemp, grow love was the there tagline. So choose hemp, grow love. Perfect. All right. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being here. And we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Thank you. All right. That concludes this episode for today. I acknowledge you for taking the time out of your day to expand your level of awareness with me. I really hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, I encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, if you choose to share it on your Instagram story, feel free to tag me at infinite.creators and let me know what you loved about it. If you wrote a review, don't forget to screenshot it and email it to me so I can send you a free copy of my cookbook or my dream life workbook. Thank you again so much for listening. Your support means the world to me, and I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your day.